Welcome to the feature series, How Roger Penske Changed the Indy 500 on the Marshall Pruitt Podcast, which celebrates the most successful entrant at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway on the 50th anniversary of his first event in 1969. Presented by Cooper Tires, the Justice Brothers, and Bell Racing Helmets, a long-standing partner of Team Penske, this 15-part series spans some of the greatest drivers, managers, mechanics, engineers, and the man himself, Roger Penske, to document the captain's vast influence on America's defining motor race, the Indy 500, and in many instances, the sport as a whole. We'll also be joined by a reporter who covered Penske's Indy debut a half century ago and some of his fiercest rivals, many of whom admit to being fans of the 82-year-old icon. Our guest on this episode of How Roger Penske Changed the Indy 500 is the irascible Bobby Unser. There's no question about Roger Penske that Bobby Unser can't turn 180 degrees and make about himself. And that's the Uncle Bobby charm. He takes mechanics, team managers, his brother Al, and even Mr. Penske to task when recounting his IndyCar career in and around the captain's empire. He also defends Mr. Penske with ferocity, presented in an abstract, me-first manner, of course. Starting in 1979, Uncle Bobby won the better part of a dozen races during his three-year stint driving for Team Penske. He uncorks the truth behind his contentious 1981 Indy 500 win for Penske and the plan he hatched years before while driving for the late Dan Gurney to exploit the Speedway's pacer light system designed to help cars blend while exiting the pits having exploited it to the point of blowing by a long line of cars, which became the subject of a high-profile case that determined whether Uncle Bobby or Mario Andretti would be awarded the victory. This is definitely part of the inside story of how the 1981 victory was settled. At 85 years old, Uncle Bobby has a free pass to curse and cajole all he wants. And here, it's an urging to beware. If your ears are sensitive to the unholiest of words and creative ways to describe fornication, this episode is one to skip with haste. Mr. Pruitt? Mr. Unser, I'd love to get into when you drove for him and all that, but I figured it might be best to just start knowing that your career at the Speedway started five, six years earlier. Just what you remember of these college kids coming in, everything pressed, everything polished. What kind of a culture shock do you remember from the Penske boys coming in in 69, year after you won your first 500? Yeah, yeah. And, of course, if you think about it, it, at that time, I had no dream of driving for Penske. In other words, anything that the people thought about him or did, to me, was just a war chance. Because he was a guy I had to beat. You know, Wayne Leary used to have a have a uh, timing qualifying deal with with Roger. I finally caught Wayne doing this because you know people don't realize it, but Pinsky's really, really is a gambler. Mm. He loves to gamble, but he won't do it like the best I saw. Like when we were, I think it was in England. Uh, should I had to go over and introduce him because some of the people at that game, the casino, I think Playboy Club or something we went to, I don't remember. But the thing about it is, is that nobody in the, in the gambling casino, whichever one we went to, Katie Yip is the one that made all the arrangements because he got damn sure a big gambler. <laughs> and, uh, 
he loved to gamble. We were over there, I think, and, and it was. It was the uh, it was when I had the meeting and I was going to drive for him. Hadn't been announced or anything, but but I was going to do that. And we discussed everything right, looking eyeball to eyeball. With Roger, you don't have to have paper. That's what's so bad about so many of these deals, you know. This would I have mean, been 78 or so, talking about 79 maybe? I believe 79. You were with Dan through, I believe, Oh, 78. you're right. No, no. It's what you got to do is jar my feeble brain a little bit. <laughs> yeah, it is 79. Yeah, for sure. So you would have been yeah. speaking with him probably 78 or so about getting together in 79. Yeah, only thing is I did it real quick. You know, with me... Takes no time at all to make a, a decision. And so Roger and I got together in England and, uh, and we met at some hotel. He gave me the little, little dinky sheet of paper with the name of a hotel on it. And I'm going to catch a cab. I ain't got the foggiest clue where that thing is. And I didn't really care. I just want to talk about race cars. And so we got together in the hotel. I got there before he did. And uh, he come up to the room. We didn't do anything, didn't have a drink, nothing. I just I just told him what I had to have if I was going to drive for him. And he didn't put any stipulations that I can remember in front of me. And we were both agreeable to, I, what did I do? I told him, I told him, you just match Gurney's contract. I didn't tell him how much it was. I said, you match Gurney's contract, and we have a deal. And then, of course, a lot of little things, you know, like who the team manager is. Same shit that I'd always squawk about, you know? Sure. If they don't have the right support deal, ain't no sense in being there, right? Might as well go fishing somewhere. So I I had those stipulations and no problem at all with Roger. I can't imagine anybody having stipulations or something wrong with Roger Pinsky if you're trying to put a deal together. God damn. Easiest one I ever saw in my life. And and I didn't ask him for another penny I knew what my brother was getting. I probably knew what Mario was getting and Leonard and, and guys like this. And I just didn't care. I got to have a fast race car. And I got to get back to some good testing and good development and stuff like that. That's my life anyway. And so I told Roger all these things. And and he was okay with it, but but I physically told him, I says I can't have like I got Haffington that worked for Gurney for so long. I mean I didn't like that son of a bitch, no matter what, mm. you know. And I wouldn't run with him, or for him, or anything, you know. The only thing I'd do is pop him in the mouth. That's <laughs> what I'd like to do. Uh, well, you know he was. He, he he was all the time. We'd be out there at Gurney's, 
And I'd, I'd tell Wayne, I'd call Wayne on the phone because there's no sense in going all the way out there in my plane just to get a, a new setup on the car or a different one for that track or whatever like that. And, and it got them, Wayne, Wayne would, would get my car done. I know what time they leave, you know. They leave at 10 o'clock at night. If I got special stuff to do, they'll come back at midnight. And that's the way we, we ran our race car. But I didn't like that friggin' Haffington and whoever else he had is copying my setups. And they did that every friggin' race. And and that was just a bad deal that I didn't like, you know. Of course, he ended up crashing the car. We went to Trenton, and he ended up crashing the car right away. In other words, in the warm-up shit, he just went out there and kerblapple. <laughs> and uh, it looks like maybe they were copying my deal, and, and I changed my deal. Another famous part of the Unser-Penske relationship. We'll get back to that in just a sec, but let's go back to their first appearance that first year or two what do you recall bobby of this this kind of upstart penske team mark donahue uh, everything that i know says that they came in just with a different approach do you remember see, seeing that and feeling that when they showed up in 1969 oh no i don't i don't remember what happened to him that year well, I know what happened to him overall. I'm talking about ahead of it, you know? Sure. And I, you, you see what we had, what you're probably missing a little bit there, is is we had a deal between uh, our team and Donahue's team, which was Pinsky. Mine was Judd Phillips and Little Red and so on, you know? And and I know that. and And I know that they're going to be tough no matter what. So, so I just go to work and, and, uh, match it, go up with it. You know, if, if I see them do it, see, we had an agreement. I wouldn't do any secret testing from them. And, and they had an agreement vice versa for me. And I think we kept that for a while. But somehow or another, it went away. Shit, I looked at all the things that they did to their car. You know, we we didn't like that, like that Lola because we had the Lola yeah. four wheel drive. See? Yeah, we didn't like we didn't like that car. I didn't like it at all, and Judd didn't like it. And uh, you know, Al seemed to like his. He'd say, "Well, oh, seems to be okay to me," you know, and and so. We did all of that, agreed on everything, went to Hanford, did a lot of our testing. And so, you know, I know, I, I can see what they do. When they're at my test or I'm at their test, whichever way you want to look at it, hey, I'm pretty sharp on that stuff. So I can tell whether they've been cheating a little bit or not, meaning mm. against us, nothing else, you know, and didn't see anything. Then all of a sudden, when it came around to running the little race called the Indy 500, like I see a whole bunch of stuff on that car. <laughs> I didn't say anything to Roger about it. Didn't say anything to Mark. Mark 
was, you know, I'd like to say he was a guy like a, a bunch. He was a real honest guy. And, and I thought he was an okay person. But God damn, how'd they get all that shit on that car when the agreement was our two cars were theoretically going to be even, equal, equal, whatever. And man, I showed, they showed up with a turbocharger way forward under the left side of the engine. I mean, they looked like they'd been testing forever. So they goddamn sure outdid us, you know. But that wasn't supposed to be. If they found something like that, I was supposed to get it. We all had dates figured out and and vice versa. See? But they didn't much hold to it. Bobby didn't get a fair shake on that one. Well, knowing uh, how at least there was this developing relationship, it sounds like by the time you guys came together, starting in 1979, it sounds like the relationship between you and Roger and maybe some other folks at the team that aren't coming to mind right now, but it sounds like there was at least a strong foundation that led to your eventually driving with team Penske. What knowing Bobby, that you'd been a part of all American racers for a long time. What did you see in that Penske organization quality wise, preparation wise, what was that? What were those things that you looked at them and said, aha, this is, this is going to be a place I need to go. Tell you what it was. You hang around that man and you talk to him for a little while. And all of a sudden you realize this guy wants to win and he wants to win a lot. And there was many things after that, that I saw, you know, for example, out in, in Ontario, I told him that I was probably going to be leaving him out there. And, and, uh, you know, it, it was pretty obvious that I would go with Pat Patrick. Everybody kind of knew that. And, and so did Roger. And, you know, he, he didn't like that at all with him and Pat. It was kind of a little bit of a, a big deal where Pat's, Pat's got a lot of money. And that's all it takes, a lot of money and a good ownership. Then you hire some good mechanics. But you got to have somebody that's good to start with. And, and you know, that's what, that's what Roger had. And Pat, Patrick and I were always really good friends. It, we never discussed who had the fastest car, the things that we did, unless it was a joke. You know, we tell jokes all the time, but 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 not really. That man was that man was was nice, good to me. I know he wanted me to drive for him, and I really wanted to do that someday, but not as long as I had Roger, and and not as long as he keeps his word, which. Generally speaking, he really keeps his word. But there's times when when Roger would drift off center a little bit, and he'd he'd get the urge to make the team a little bit bigger, and I'd go into orbit. And I didn't like that. To me, what people didn't realize, the things that they said about me were okay. I, I totally accept them. But but and I'll ruin a team if if there's some way to do it. But I got to have my own team. I don't mean the whole team like Roger did. I 
got to go fast, and I have to win. If I don't have a chance to win, I'm going to go do something else in this life. I ain't going to stay there and let that happen. And and that's where we were on our on our origination. I mean, there was there was for sure a, a limited amount of time that Roger caught me doing other things, or somebody did on that team, other than what the other team member, members were doing. And that's and you know it, it doesn't make any difference who. I mean, I really don't care whether they like me or not. I gotta win the races, and and that's the rules that I lived under. And I know that that it got to Roger on on my little deal because, man, I'm always thinking up something fresh and new. They can't keep up with me. It's impossible. <laughs> well, I mean, there is that's part of the the Bobby Unser Roger Penske legend, and I don't know if this so much fits in the under the guise of how Roger changed the 500, but maybe you could share some stories of how, you know, again, there's legend of you saying, you know, we've got these springs on the front, these springs at the rear and, or this toe, this camber, this ride height, these gears, whatever it might be. There was the, uh, the published information that you shared with Roger and the team that was on your car, uh, which in theory would have been something not too far from your teammates, but in reality, you might have gone back in late that night and changed things around, or even put some uh, put some fake. Well, I shouldn't say fake. Put some uh, things on the car, maybe springs, maybe a setup on the car that wasn't what you planned on using. But you were throwing them a little bit of a dummy if they wanted to check and find out. I just love the fact that here you are, one of the titans of IndyCar. Here's Roger, one of the titans of IndyCar. And there's a pretty good game of cloak and dagger going on. I know it's all true. You know, I didn't care. Oh, I, you know, I, I love Roger to death. And if that man says he's going to do something, or I think of the meetings that we had in an airplane, I saw all of that stuff. I know that that, that they like all like to catch me. McGee was the team manager. I know he'd like to catch me, but them suckheads couldn't catch me. If they didn't, you know, I was sick in bed one day, stayed out at the uh, Hojo's, the freeway, and and I really didn't feel good that day. It's only, what, two times I think in my life I've called in sick, you know, on deals like that, and and so McGee called and said, you better get over here, boy, the boss is really mad. I says, mad for what? Man, I ain't been there today. I'm in, I'm in bed. I don't feel good. And McGee says, well, he took your car and put it on the bear rack. Ooh. Now, somebody's fucking dealing with two decks of cards here, too, you know. But he says, that, that's something nobody would ever do. Even, even Gertie would never do that to me take my car on the bear rack and let the fucking world see what, what I'm doing, you know. I just I just don't do those things. And and Roger knew better because we'd had meetings and all this type of thing too. Just don't do it. Don't do it to me. Go do it to somebody else. Get mirrors, get somebody that 
you're going to work fine with that, but not Bobby Unser, you know. And I told him all this before he hired Rick. I told him all this when, or before he hired me, but right same night. And I just wasn't going to go for it. And and so you know the best thing to do, say goodbye. I'm not. I don't like to leave the best ride in the whole goddamn racing world in in outer stock cars, you know, because it was the best ride. But but they got to be a little bit honest too, you know. Take my car, and for sure I got secrets all over that thing. I mean, but I think. I, I can see Roger smiling every time I won or every time I was leading a race and could have won. So at any rate, excuse me. So at any rate, I knew this with Roger, but also now we've been going along for a while. Man, I've taken over the testing. I love it more than anything. Roger and I can talk is, is, is a real team, you know. I can, I every night that I tested, like hypothetically, I'm at Phoenix. Every day I'd run a test down there, it, and when it's over, I call Roger. That was the agreement, and I never missed a beat. Called him every time, and and sometimes he wouldn't be available to talk right then. I'd go to my hotel out of Goodyear and, and or wherever the hell I was and, and call Roger from there. And he was always happy with it. So where the hell did all this bullshit go that, that I don't understand when, you know, I'm, I'm honest. They don't think I was, but I never told them that I don't tell lies with the race car because I do. I'm biggest friggin' liar there is. Ask my brother Al, you know. He knows that. And and, and that's the way I, I live my life. I've got to try to win that race or keep the owner happy so he doesn't want to fire you or whatever, you know. And and I and I did good that way. The problem is like that, that night with those goddamn uh, springs and sway bars and and of course that's all my shit, you know. I mean, but but I mean, I don't tell anybody except my my team, you know. And they they were all like like uh, Lori says. Well, let me see how many times is this that I've been fired since I've been with you, Bobby. <laughs> <laughs> well, but again, that that's <laughs> one of the he fires him, and then I go get him back, you know. <laughs> but that, again, that's just one of the great stories here, and we're just going to turn this into Uncle Bobby storytelling about. RP and the team on their 50th anniversary. I mean, when we think about Roger today, 17 Indy 500 wins, just, you know, a paragon in the sport. It's amazing. When, when you were amazing than you could ever believe, you know, well, and when you were driving for him, this would be another really interesting insight to share. Obviously there had been, you know, some Indy 500 success, couple of wins, et cetera. Obviously, the team, very powerful, very incredible, high quality, was still shaping itself, though, when you joined them in 79, still shaping themselves into who we think of today as Team Penske. 
what was the culture there like how good were they and did you see the the potential for them to effectively go on to dominate the 1980s so much the 90s the 2000s etc at indianapolis well the thing about it is father is is i could really do that stuff and it's not good to sit here in this uncomfortable chair i got and brag on bobby unser but by golly that's what I, that's the only reason I went with Roger is because I really, really, really wanted a good team. I had the good team with Gurney. There's no doubt about that. But by the same token, I mean, we had, we put together a good team so much that it was hard for anybody to believe. And a lot of the, the mechanics and the guys that really make things happen at Indianapolis said that as soon as I, as soon as I said I'm going with Roger, boy, everybody said, "Woo wee, watch this shit." Well, we did, you know. Thing is, I don't cheat, I don't lie, but but not telling people what's in your race car—that's not a lie. That's business, you know. Since 1954, the Indianapolis Motor Speedway has served as the proving grounds for the world's most legendary helmet brand. From Jimmy Bryan to Mario Andretti and Elio Castroneves. Bell Helmets has and continues to protect some of the all-time greats. Follow the journey on social media at Bell Racing HQ or by visiting bellracing.com. Let's talk about this three-year span where you were driving for Roger from 79 through 81. I mean, you won 10, 11 races, I think. You finished second in the kart championship uh, or in the championship just in general in 79 and 80 then obviously we have uh what proved to be your final full-time season in indycar culminating with an indy 500 win i mean there was before we get to the famous 81 indy 500 i mean there was a lot of success that the two of you put together during this three-year span i also kind of love the the feeling though that there was a little bit of uh it was never necessarily easy or smooth at all times between the two of you. It sounded like a little bit of a, I don't know if love-hate relationship, but, you know, if there was marital counseling, I think you and RP might have been signed up for a couple of years there. Well, you know, man, I have thought so many hours on what happened to that thing. Now, and whether I was going to leave or not leave, ah, come on, there was a lot of little instances of those stories also. But by the same token, you know, I, I was totally honest with Roger. I mean, I that uh, tells Roger's team, uh, Derek Walker, didn't get along with Derek at all. See, there's another thing that you don't know. The guys in England didn't really care for Bobby Unser. The sooner they could get rid of me, the better they liked it. This is with a, a few exceptions over there, you know? And, 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 and that was okay with me. I didn't care. Every race car I drove of Roger Penske's, it makes no difference what it was. I made that sucker go faster and I made it go longer. I did everything was better on it than what they'd done before. I don't care if it was Mark. I don't care who it was. 
but the guys like like over in England, they didn't like me. And, and that's okay, because I'd get their brand new car, they'd ship it over to Reading, Pennsylvania, I'd show up and change everything <laughs> before the car even ran. <laughs> and they, I wonder they, why they, they didn't like you. Well, I guess that could be the reason, you know. <laughs> but, but that's what I do. In other words, that last deal I did was a good example I'm, Roger calls me up and he says, I had agreed to do uh, five races for him the next year. And then, then I was going to leave, not for anything to do with Roger or the team. You know, if he doesn't like a driver, he, it, as near as I could ever tell, he won't fire one on the spot. In fact, lots of times I don't even think he'd fire one. But by golly, he wants, he wants good, clean living. He don't like drugs. He don't like any of that screwing around, you know. And but but he likes people. I always thought he liked people. Did the things that I did, you know. Run over everybody. Win at all costs. Do what you got to do. But but don't be some kissy ass, you know. Well, let's look. And I always thought he liked that. Well, uh, I mean, he certainly likes. People that win and with his success, I would say he's there are very few years where you can look at a Roger Penske lineup and say that it is lacking. So I think that's oh, been that's borne out sure. over decades. Well, let's do this, Uncle Bobby. Let's close on 1981 and a Indy 500 victory contested in the courts, something that is you know, late night news fodder, something that really did grip the sporting world, uh, whether it was those who are fans of Mario believing Mario should have won those who are fans of you and whether you should have won the whole question of legality of blend lines and pacer lights and all kinds of stuff. We won't go into the full history of all that, but what I'd mm -hmm. love to hear about is what you saw from Roger just as a team owner, as a friend, as a competitor, and how he not only treated you, but how voraciously he went after getting this win, making sure that it stayed within with Penske, uh, which ended up being your third and final Indy 500 victory. What do you recall from all the, the kind of nastiness and, and back and forth on the whole legal side? What do you recall of Roger and how he behaved, performed, and treated you. That's, that was the good part of Roger Penske, the father that I could ever say, remember, mention to anybody. I mean, that man stood behind me 100%. You know, I told Roger, when, when we got into that thing so far, I had a... Uh, I don't know if this is proper to say or not, but, but I had a, a judge, federal judge, it, down in Texas someplace. A lot of people called. But I had this federal judge. He was a Bobby Unser fan, obviously, because he would call me often at, at night. Not very often, though, I shouldn't say that. But call me at night. And then he'd, he'd, he'd like to hear what stuff I heard during the day, 
what transpired. Something like that. Got nothing to do with our case, right? And and then he then he tells me in the phone call that he's making, here's what what I think you ought to do. You got to get out of that kangaroo court. Number one. Number two, you got to get this thing into a federal court. He says that if you get this into a federal court, he says, I don't think there's any doubt that you would wholeheartedly win it. But in the meantime, while you, or excuse me, after you win it, in case you do, he says, you're going to break USAC totally. They're, they're out of business. They won't have that much money. And I laughed at him. I says, that would be a good one. And I know they wouldn't have enough money. That'd break them for sure. They'd already been scared that Pinsky was going to break them. See? And of course, we know he could, you know. And and so then I just said, well, you know, that's what I'm after. That's what I want to do. I want to see. I want, I want to sue USAC. I want to sue ABC. And I, and I want to sue the Speedway. The Speedway, these are the guys that called Bobby Unser wrong. And I was cheating on the light system, which Joe Cloutier, I went in there the next year after that year of me running the Pacerlite to death there. And Joe asked me to come into his, into his office. Did I tell you this one before? I don't believe so. Oh, okay. Well, when I got there the next year, okay, I get one of the yellow shirts. Coming. I'm just there. It's like early May. The motorhome, I don't even think it's put away yet. Good, meaning hooked up, you know. And and uh, the yellow shirt says, Bobby, he says, Joe Clotier would like to see you down at his office. And he says, good. I mean, Joe and I have been good friends. I mean, I've never had a disagreement or an argument with him. I mean, he's, I think he's always been good to me and nice to me. But, but so I, so I, I get along. So I go down there and I walk in and shake hands with him. Joe, I, I still don't have any idea what he's going to be asking me. Yeah. And I mean, here he's, he was the president of the Speedway, if I recall. He's the new big boss. Yeah. You know, Tony's, but, but Joe, Joe's always been the boss. People just don't know it. I mean, he ran that whole goddamn thing. He ran everything in Terre Haute that Tony owned. I mean, he was the, he was the, the real boss, but it didn't make any difference. If, if Joe said something, boy, you better know that was the same as Tony talking. See, and and so, so the same old thing, you know. Joe, I go in there, and he, I, he says, sit down. I grab a chair, and sit down, and I'm wondering what in the hell does he want? I don't, I'm not anything to do with the money. I'm not anything to do with anything around there except some of the things that I do, you know. And I know sometimes I piss little people off, some people, you know, but. So so I sit down with Joe, and he says, all right, Bobby. Now, he, then now we're past the hellos. Now he wants to talk business. That's the Joe Clotier. I know, you know. So so he says, now, tell me about those pacer lights. And I started laughing. I said, 
I knew there was some reason that you asked me down here, Joe. Mm-hmm. This is going to be fun. And and so he says, hit me with it, I'm ready. So I told him the whole story. I mean, come on. Joe Clotier is the boss. There ain't no doubt about it. And if you can't be honest with a boss, you better get the hell out, you know, because he, because he demands that type of a thing. <laughs> and so I tell him, I said, Joe, you know, it, it, I figured out. He says, well, keep talking. I says, you need to get rid of him. <laughs> he says, I know that. He said, tell me why. He says, I know you can tell me why. I said, all right, I can tell you why. So I went into the scenario and told him how easy it was. And the big arguments that I had with Dan Gurney, you know, Dan and I got into terrible arguments over that. And I told him that I thought I could do it, or it's worth a try of, of picking up the pace and get, getting rid of one or two lights you know, out, out running them and doubling up on them, whatever the heck you want to call it. And Dan wouldn't go for it at all. Big argument right in front of the team over it. And so I just went down and I got Wayne, of course, my chief mechanic. Wayne's going to do what I want. It don't make any difference who else wants it or doesn't want it. So I tell Wayne, I says, I'm going to go get in that fucking Corvette and and I says, you time me. Here's how we're going to do the whole thing. And I, so I took the Corvette out. And, and, of course, he knows what lap I'll do it. Blah, 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 you know. And I go out and I did it. And it was successful. But I don't even tell Dan I did it. Because he was so, so against it. So I just did the freaking thing with that Corvette. It worked. Now, I couldn't do the speeds that we can with the Indy car, but I can goddamn sure make my point. See, now all I got to do is have a good slow caution, which there'll be probably several of them. And man, I'm just going to, I'm going to have those guys wrapped up like a, like a nice hot dog. You know, they're going to be, they're going to be all sorry that they, nobody wants to give me credit for being smart enough to figure this out. Well, who the hell did they think did it, you know? And and so it was the same way. I, I, I Wayne and I, he says, what are we going to do? I said, well, I'm going to do it in the pit stops. Now, you just get that friggin' thing ready. Don't say anything to anybody because somebody in the team will go squealing to, to Gurney, and he's already totally told me he doesn't want me to do it. So I says, I'm going to do it. And, and I says, I know it'll work. Now, how good it'll work, I can't guarantee you, but it's going to work. Wayne says, okay. I mean, that's Wayne. Wayne was always that way with me. In our younger years, same way. And and so, you know, I, I couldn't try it with the race car. If I had done that, everybody would have known it. But the Corvette was really fast that year. And so that was an easy way to to prove my deal, see? So I went out and I and I gained like a light, whatever the hell it was. You know, it's it's how many of those lights you call it. You know, the pacer light, I got her. How much you got? I got one light. Okay, that's a pretty good gain. The lights are pretty far apart. So Wayne and I would sit, sit down and write the thing out and figure it all out. I said, fuck, Wayne, I can do it. 
It's easy. And I said, they have no rules against this. There's nothing they can do to Bobby Unser or the team. And so we figured it out. I went out there and did it. And, you know, had I done it, had I wanted to do it a whole lot more, I got ended up first or second in that race, you know. I don't know where I ended up, but it would have been a lot better what I did. That wasn't one of my faster deals, you know. I think you ended up, uh, what, sixth in uh, 78 yeah, in, the, in the Eagle there. So I guess yeah. one thing that'd be fun to know was Roger aware that you had this pacer light plan in your back pocket, or was this a bit of a surprise to him? No, 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 no. I couldn't tell Roger. Uh-uh. No, couldn't tell him. Had to, had to have everything. Had to be Bobby answer. You know, it had to be my team for change. No, couldn't do that. Couldn't, uh, couldn't tell Roger. The team kind of, kind of went apart a little bit when it got to that, that point. You know, didn't break us apart completely by any, any means. Because I remember after that we went to Mexico City and I mean, lots of different races. And Roger was just as strong with me as he ever was. But God damn it, you know, if one guy knows it, they all know it. You know, you can't help it. Racing is just that way. And and so I don't like it like that, you know. My deal has got to be my deal. I've got to I gotta have a chance to win for for Bobby too. You know, Roger Roger Binsky for sure. But but Bobby's racing too, and I won a couple of them suckers, you know. Mm. So 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 I like that, and 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 I don't want somebody else just taking over, which they could easily do, you know. But but Roger should see after all of that shit happens, he go he thinks something's wrong because his uh, what Bill whatever his name was that drove the third car. Uh, you remember his name? Bill Alsup, maybe? Alsup. You could. You could, man. I try. I try. <laughs> yeah, it was Bill Alsup. <laughs> and, and, uh, and, and he's having trouble. He, he just is not a race driver. Now that's, that's it in a dump. It's dump. It's no good. He's not a race driver. I'm sorry. I like the guy, but he's no good. And he, he's never going to go fast. Number one. Number two, he ain't even going to make the show. See? And so he's got that same friggin' guy. If you held your head up a little bit like when I first started talking to you, and I told you Hathington, that was his chief mechanic. Mm. And I don't like that son of a bitch because all he ever did was copy me. And, and, you know, I, I, I told Dan, I'm going to pop him in the goddamn mouth hard. And I've told everybody and better keep that son of a bitch away from me. I just don't like him. I mean, they'd come in there. This stuff that I would find out Wayne would work on my car until 10 o'clock at night. After 10 o'clock at night, he go home. Now, if we're doing some secret stuff, he come back. At midnight, and then he starts doing my stuff. 
And, and that's the role that we had. And I don't give a damn whether Dan knew it or didn't know about it. Or, I don't care who knew about it. That's Bobby Unser's way of operating. And I won the fucking races or led them all, you know? I mean, I just could do that. And and so they're trying to take it away from it, Hassington. So I, when when Dan came to me, and, and I know he's got a lot of sponsorships. Wow. I mean, that guy's the best in the world for grabbing that stuff. And and all of a sudden, there you know, he's telling me I can't have better stuff than Hathington. I can't have better than Mario does with McGee. I don't like this. And, and it caused me a lot of unhappiness. Now, you wonder where, you've got to start wondering where my decisions started coming about. Yeah. And this is how they work, see? I don't like the situation. This is not what we shook hands on. I I don't think I ever had a contract with Pinsky, but we had had uh, we shook on on decisions, you know. And I and I did that with everybody. There's nothing wrong with it, you know. Well, why don't we put a period on the conversation here, Bobby? With coming back to the start. So you've known RP for at least 50 years now. He had, (laughs) he delighted in attending the Bobby Unser roast last year and just giving you the business over and over again. Mm -hmm. Uh, Tell me Mm -hmm. your thoughts on this, this, you know, more than half your life relationship you've had, knowing him winning the Indy 500 with RP what comes to mind thinking about all that he has achieved, all that he and his team have contributed to the Indianapolis Motor Speedway for 50 years? Oh, I think it's fabulous. You know, this one's going to be a little bit out of place, but let me just mention it to you, okay? One, th- one time, Roger's wife calls a bunch of guys to come and do this this. Uh, I don't know, this tribute to Roger. I got to say something. I think it was, and it was at the Speedway, I'm pretty sure. And that Al got up on the mic, he was up there before I was, and which is okay. But when he got up there, all he did was, was drill Roger Penske. Now, what in the hell could Al be picking on that's wrong? I mean, what did Roger do that's wrong? He ain't never done anything wrong to anybody I know of. Always pays his bills. Mm. He, he, he never tells a lie. And, and so Al gets up. Now, Al's been driving for him. And by golly, it looks to me like Al won the speedway for him. And, and it looks to me not only that way, that, that they found a freaking car in a hotel. Roger never quit. Roger never quit. Al got a ride, and I'll be a son of a bitch. The world thinks he won the race. So what in the world did that Pinsky do wrong to Al? Hmm. I'm, I'm not pissed off at Al about everything, but about that evening. You know, Al gets up in there and he, he just talks and talks and talks and, and says bad things about Roger, how he was too young to be fired, 
talking about or getting fired, that's you don't even do that if you don't like the car owner. And and so next it's my turn. So I got up there and I worked it just the other way around. I put Roger up, put Al down. Didn't do bad on putting Al down. For sure, he's my brother. <laughs> but boy, did it piss me off, you know. Who who in this world could give you a race car as good as Al been getting from Penske and he hadn't been going fast enough? I mean, Al knows that. He said it right in front of all those people. So that's bullshit, you know. Al, Al had no right to pick on Roger. And there's there's where I come in to Roger's behalf, you know. And and Roger was fair in, in things like that. But you don't, you don't just pick on somebody for the hell of it. That's all Al had because because his driving got too slow. Hey, Father, that's what happened, Al. He got to where he wasn't going fast. Now I know he could, and, and I know all he's got to do is make up his mind and put it in his little pea brain, and he's fast as a rocket, you know. But but he wasn't going to do that. He liked doing what he wanted to do. He liked to coast and collect. That's what we call it, you know. And and he shouldn't do that with Roger. Taking somebody's ride, that's a good one. Number one, we wanted Al to get one of the new cars, new engines, everything. But either he doesn't know how to how to work Roger or something, because he damn sure should have had it at least for the speedway. But that's when Danny and Gaius came in. You remember these times, I know you will. Oh yeah. And Danny and Gaius takes over Pinsky's uh, third car. And and so Al that really hurt his feelings. I don't blame him. But by the same token, man, in this business, this world that we live in, boy, you got to kick ass and make everybody pissed at you all the time. Otherwise, you're not doing a good job. And it's always been my thoughts. And, and, and I don't know why Al, I really think if Al would have just cooled it down with Roger, he'd have got a, a, a new car or at least a new engine. All that stuff, you know. And, and so it just didn't happen. And, and, of course, he spends all his time, anybody would listen to him, tell him how bad Roger was. Well, it ain't the case. Well, I appreciate I mean, the fact that you want, you know, you felt compelled to defend Roger, which I guess is an answer in and of itself of the kind of regard and respect. Well, that's what I had to do because I'm on the in. I'm not on the out. And it's not like as if Roger is trying to hurt Bobby Unser. He isn't. Man, all he wants me to do is degree to stay another year, another year, another year. See, that's all Roger wants. He doesn't want an argument. He doesn't want to fight. He just wants Bobby answered to keep driving for him. And I told him, Roger, I told you I wasn't going to go past what my son I could do for Robbie. And I said, you know that. And I said, I'm not leaving you. It, it's, yeah, I'm pissed at what some of these guys are doing saying. But Roger hasn't left me. He told me he didn't want, he told me he didn't want to sue the Speedway. Okay. You don't sue him. I'll sue him. And you don't want to do this and that and the other. 
And, and I say, it's okay. You go do your thing however you want to do it. But I'm going to sue ABC, and I'm going to sue the Speedway. And that's it. And so he gets me in a, I'm sure you want the caption to that one, too. He gets, we're standing way back with, a, with a, some of the small motorhomes. At any rate, there was a little old junky one, Class C type motorhome that, that uh, was just lurking. It was just sitting right there, right? Mm. All these great big newels and all this shit, you know? <laughs> Roger says, we've got to have a talk. I said, well, okay. You know, I don't know what he's going to talk about, but sure, let's have a talk. And with Roger, boy, I love it. And so he says, whose motorhome is this? Oh, it beats the fuck out of me. I don't know whose it is. <laughs> so I tell Roger, I don't know, but watch, I'll find out. So I just scream, who's is this? Somebody points, hey, I need to use your motorhome. Fine, there it is. It's unlocked. That's it. We go inside. And and we went clean to the back, you know, and them little dinky ass ones. Yep. They got a they, they got a, a bed across the very back, right? So I go back there, and, and we're sitting down. I think it's going to be nice stuff, you know, and and what? There's nothing could be bad, and and so Roger comes in, and we sit down, and he says, "I know you have your heart," and and so an ABC. And in the in the uh, speedway, and so on, you know, and went through the whole deal. I says, yeah. I says, yeah. As you watch how much I get out of ABC. I said, I'll teach them. Well, I said some very bad words to that, you know. And and I says, but but man, I can do it. I'm going to do it. And I says, I'll have a really good attorney if our attorney doesn't want to do it. In other words, he really got to where he liked me, you know. And, and so I says, but I'm going to do it. I says, you should do it with me. I said, the two of us together, we'll cause these people to really straighten up. And and I said, let's just do it. He says, no, I don't want to do it. He says, I, I just want to race. I says, well, Raj, man, they've been picking on us to beat hell, you know. You too, not just me. And he says, I don't want any lawsuits. I just want to race. He might not have used that very words, but it was close to it, if it wasn't. And and so we just we just couldn't agree. I told him, I says, I've got to win this race, number one, the one we just did, you know. Or 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 I've got to do something. This ain't gonna work. He says, Well, we're probably still gonna win it anyway. And I says, Okay, that's that that'd help a lot, but Roger, I said, why do you want to quit, man? We we have that goddamn speedway here and ABC jumping up and down trying to trying to get rid of us, you know? And he says, I don't want to do that, Bob. He says, Why can't we just race? And and same thing we have now. We just don't talk about it, just go race. And I says, Well, are you sure that's what you want to do? It ain't what I want to do. I'd like to get a couple of them guys that have been playing host on us, you know. And he says, no. He says, I just don't want to do that. He says, too much talk, too much everything. We need to just go on. He says, you'll win damn near every race there is. I said, well, hopefully that's true, but that isn't the part 
that's what I wanted, you know. I wanted to do the ass kicking, you know. But I, I let again. I gave in to Roger. It didn't make any difference to me, you know. He, he doesn't want to do that. We won't do it. He's he's the one that helped me a bunch. He's the one that gives me everything I want. He's the one that gives me everything I need. I mean, I can't I can't go against this man, you know. Well, it sounds like fifty years later. You guys still have a, a very unique bond, even though the two of you have uh, been doing this for most of your life, even though you guys haven't been together in terms of team owner and driver for almost 40 years, but it's just great I didn't to hear. Know that I just can't believe it. Yes, he was coming by the motorhome. I was just sitting here trying to think. Two years ago, okay? And and I'm up in the motorhome, or I'm outside trying to fix one of the cars. Who knows? But at any rate, here comes Roger down to his trailer down past us. And so I he stopped at my motorhome. It means he wants to say hi to me or whatever, you know. And and we've always got along. I mean, I mean, never, never any bad things, you know. I know it's true. Shakes it for the guys over in England. They they shake a finger at me, but they never slowed me down yet, you know. And they all knew what I was doing, and they hated my way of doing it. In other words, just I just do it on my own if they don't want to do it, you know. So Jerry Brion, he can he could build two goddamn cars while those guys are up chucking on some English beer, you know. <laughs> I mean, I had I had good people right here and in the United States that could make the same thing them guys in England do. And it isn't that I hated them. I damn sure didn't. A couple of them, really good. When I was running the Garza deal and I wanted to find mechanics, I called those guys over in England. They found the mechanics for me. I went over there, hired the whole group what I wanted, and came back to Albuquerque. And, and Pinsky's guys found all my mechanics for me. Wow. I mean... Well, I just, I mean, some of those guys like me, but you take like, oh, the head guys, I can't remember their names. Wrong time. But, but I mean, uh, the, the, the two head guys, I mean, they ended up liking me. How could they do anything else? You know, I either led every race, if I didn't win it, at least I was leading it. And, and they all liked it, you know, but, but, Roger, Roger, never, ever, ever strayed from my good thoughts. Now, that night I told you that they got me out of bed and they brought me over there. Now, it might be a little bit debatable then, you know, <laughs> because I didn't like the fact that all of a sudden Roger's called me over and, and he's got my car on the bear rack. Wow. You can't believe what that did to me. That was the closest that I came to just walking out on Roger Pinsky on the spur of the moment. Boy, I was angry over that, you know? Well, and they shouldn't do it. And he knew he shouldn't do it, you know? True. But we'd also potentially be talking about two time Indy 500 winner and three times sounds a heck of a lot better. So we're glad that you didn't, uh, protest oh, you're, and depart. You're right there. You're right there, father. I mean, I just, you're right. 
Absolutely right. But but you know, man, I I did so many things with Pinsky. So many things. People people wouldn't even know how the hell I talk if I told them all the little things that I was doing and did. And the things that sometimes Roger didn't know about it, that's for sure. And damn sure cinch. You know, Rick, I like Rick Mears. But I don't like to give him my secrets. Fuck him. I let him get them the same way I did. I had to work hard to get get some of these goddamn ways of doing business with a race car, you know? I mean, and I took a lot of pride in it. And and I could outdo most people. The problem big naughty man, I used to just love to have a contest with him. And and, and have Roger Pinsky back and me meaning the money and the parts and stuff like that, you know. I mean, when I needed when I needed new cylinder heads, they came. When I needed a new block, new crank, they all came. I mean, it, I didn't have to wait another day. They would come and Bobby would get it. And then, sure enough, of course, we'd have an argument every once in a while. <laughs> <laughs> well, my friend, thank you for taking some time here to walk us through i mean we just we wandered through avenues we didn't even know we were going to go down but that's that's the normal conversation pattern that we have and that's why we love you so much so thank you my friend well that's nice that's nice father i'll tell you what that was the best racing years of my life nobody would know how good roger pinsky is yeah i mean he just the guy just absolutely was a golden hero to me, you know. I know we had one argument, maybe two of them in our total years of me developing all those cars for him. I mean, I mean, whatever Roger did, no arguments. I mean, do you know that he did every single appearance for me? You know, like like when you got these sponsor appearances and you, you really need to go to them? Sure. Do you know that he did every single one for me, for free, for nothing? Just go do it, and, and I go away, and I'm just working on the race car. And he did every one. I never did one personal appearance for Roger Pinsky that I can remember today. Now, for him personally, <laughs> you know, I'd stand on the Empire State Building and shout. But, but, but never would... would go down the road I mean always always if Roger wanted something I did it and that was how Roger Penske changed the Indy 500 you can catch this series in more than 500 episodes at the brand new Marshall Pruitt podcast.com site all brought to you by Cooper Tires the Justice Brothers and Bell Racing Helmets <laughs>